This episode of Country Queer Spotlight is brought to you by New West Records. Pick up a copy of the new Jamie Wyatt album, Neon Cross. Available now at jamiewyatt.com. That's J-A-I-M-E-W-Y-A-T-T dot com. Ride me cowboy Till the cows have come home Till the cows, till the cows come home Look deep in my eyes Put your hands on my thighs And ride, ride, ride Saddle up, cowpokes, and get ready to hit the trail with Country Queer Spotlight the podcast that introduces you to rising LGBTQ stars on the country scene. Join your host, Rachel Coles, as she chats with her guests about their music, their background, their influences, and more. Let's ride. Ride me, cowboy, till the cows come home. Till the cows, till the cows come home. Deep in my eyes, put your hands on my thighs. Talking in the morning Doesn't pay the bills 
Upstairs, you're famous now. Well, they say you're going crazy. Uh, welcome everybody, cow pokes, cow friends, choose your cow identities, there's, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, you know, we can be expansive here, it is Country Queer Spotlight, and I'm your host, Rachel Colst, I'm here with Izzy Heltai, I am really excited to talk about his new album, Father, it's his very first full length, we'll talk a little bit more about Izzy's uh, musical history in a minute, um, and you just heard to talk about yourself the first track off the album, but I picked that since it's so beautiful and powerful and such a stunning way to start the album and an interview. Uh, so, hi, Izzy. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. Thank you for saying that, Rachel. It means a lot. <laughs> um, you know, I guess as well as anybody can be right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I see that you're in like your music room. There's a lot of guitars or some pretty looking microphones. I am. Yeah, I know. Doing these things over Zoom is such a funny thing because I'm like, you know, a very intimate part of my life or like anyone doing these calls with you um, <laughs> has a view into your world. But yes, so currently I am uh, living at my mother's house. I moved out of my apartment in June. I was living in Western Massachusetts and now I'm back with my mother where I grew up in Boston. Um, so that has been a fun uh covid thing that i didn't i didn't think i'd be in my mid-20s back with my mother i i can tell you that but here we are but sometimes it's nice i'm sure oh yeah i mean i my mother is awesome so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah well let's talk about father the album and if you want to talk about your father the person we can <laughs> awesome yeah no yeah. let's totally get into it i love it uh, so i first became aware of your music because you sent it to me yourself about two years ago you're doing the I diy know. thing 
I was gonna say mm-hmm. Rachel. I feel like you you have been a champion for me Aww. throughout, and it's meant so much <laughs> to me. Yeah, no, I totally remember the first time you featured me on Adobe and Teardrops, and then you put me up on Wide Open Country at one mm-hmm. point. Um, but yeah, it's always really meant the world. So when I got an email that they told me you were the one doing the podcast, I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome! <laughs> Yay, full circle. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, Father, I feel like. The music you've sent me in the past was more folk oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely stopped me if you feel like I'm not defining your music the way you'd like it to be. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I feel like this album has like a really big, like the first half has this kind of almost like crooner sound, mm-hmm. um, or that's the term that came to me. And you could really hear that on To Talk About Yourself. Uh, so, how did you go about planning Father? And for you, what was the vision in terms of? making it so different from your EP. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, and it's great you touched on that because that is actually, I think, a a big part of this record and a a big part of me kind of figuring out where I want to be sound-wise and kind of where I want to place myself. And um, writing this record was kind of a lot about finding that place. As in, it's like, you're right. It's like when I was younger, when I was first writing songs, it was so folk-oriented. And I was really in those circles and it was always just me and an acoustic guitar and I would really build up my productions around that and I was also you know my greatest loves are like folk artists from the 60s and so then I was just listening to modern folk artists when I was a teenager and a lot of my songs came kind of inspired by that type of stuff um but then you know in recent years I think as artists do just like listening to a wider variety of stuff um that's not just like sad singer songwriters or still is but maybe not so much in just like the folk genre but uh definitely kind of wanting to go more in a direction that i feel like pushes the boundaries of what songwriting can do so it's like wow i feel like folk songwriting and and kind of cutting your grit in that type of songwriting in those circles like sets you up to have a really concrete and strong basis for just like how to write a song in general and like how to craft lyrics well and melodies um i am really in a space right now where i'm really excited and interested to explore how much further those songs can be pushed outside of a genre that um can be somewhat narrow um sometimes Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so this album is is kind of a bridge for me and and as i go forward it's like even post this album the next one you know um since it's like right it's like to the world this album is very new to me i've been sitting on it for like a year and so it's like naturally in my artistry i'm already kind of in a different phase and gearing up for the next one um but i feel like it for what the next one will be this is a great like bridge to that which is like where i want my songwriting to go wait now i can't wait for the next one is it recorded (laughs) it is not recorded but i'm working on a lot of demos Mm -hmm. and all i can say right now is i'm really in a bonnie bear stage okay uh, (laughs) mood really digging into his discography um hard and i'm it's like i'm very kind of excited about eric's experimental tones and adding different noises and sounds to like songs you wouldn't expect it in a lot of ways like he he does in his later albums and stuff like that that's cool and i mean like recording is socially distanced activity so i know a lot of people are just hitting the studio if they can yeah no absolutely and i mean what's honestly been pretty phenomenal about 
this pandemic. Not that anything's mm-hmm. really been good out of it, but I've actually been doing all my own production. So I've just been, um, you know, in in my uh, in my room at my mom's house, <laughs> have just been going really heavy and recording my own stuff and having a lot of fun with that and learning a lot about kind of how to build up songs. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna talk all about that. So you grew up in Boston. Um, yeah. Can I ask which part? <laughs> yes, I grew up in Brookline, Massachusetts. Oh, cool. um, so it's like not really Boston technically, mm-hmm. but if you're familiar with the area, it's right there. Yes. Um, yeah. One of my good friends who also grew up in Boston is from there because his parents are professors. And I'm guessing. Oh, I know at least cool. one of your parents is a mathematician, right? So I'm guessing they yes, are well, too. <laughs> so they both used to be mathematicians. Mm-hmm. Um, now they work in like computer sciences. But yeah, a lot of professors. Um, it's a it's a very academic town. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, for better or worse. For sometimes. better or for worse, absolutely. Yeah. So you, you're back in the home you grew up in. I can see several guitars. I know you play piano, and it sounds like you play a lot of other instruments too. Um, so at what point did you know or feel like you were just going to pursue music professionally? Um. Yeah, it's kind of one of those funny things. I always, I or when I think about it, it's just like I don't really know. It, it's like so. I started writing songs around when I was like a teenager, like sixteen at like open mics. Um, you know, they were like very bad, uh, <laughs> as they are when you're a teenager. Um, but I, you know, I guess I just kind of realized that even though it was like pretty bad, I just realized that I like really like doing it, and I kind of processed a lot through it I guess even at a young age and um kind of kept going with it and I started playing out when I was like 18 and then it kind of just like spiraled into the only thing I really knew how to do um and especially when I started coupling that with kind of my love of traveling and community community and meeting people it was really, you know, around like 19 or 20 when I really honed in that this was just absolutely all I'd ever, all I ever want to do with my life is create music in this way, but also create communities and meet new friends, um, kind of traveling in the way I have. Right. And I read that uh, you left Boston to live in one of the many college towns around uh, the city. Uh, for you, what uh, was the appeal for that? Yeah, so I, like you said, I grew up in Boston, and I know I, I just talked about community a bit, so it was basically, it's like I went, I actually went to um, not a super college town in Western Mass, because when people think of the college towns, it's like Northampton or Amherst or all that. I gotcha. was further west, I mean, it's okay if you're not from here, it, <laughs> it doesn't matter, but I was living in the Berkshires in this small town called North Adams, mm-hmm. and I went to Mass College of Liberal Arts, so I just went to the State Liberal Arts School, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but what I realized as soon as I got out there, so that was about six years ago, was that I just fell in love with living in a small town, which I didn't know about myself because I'd always grown up in a city, and what I loved about being in a small town was kind of, I just, I was definitely the sense of community, but I, I people sometimes chuckle when I say this, but it's like, I hate, and, and I'm going to say this wrong. <laughs> I, I hate being anonymous. Mm-hmm. Anonymity? Mm-hmm. Anonymity. That's it. I just always pronounce it wrong. <laughs> and, you know, growing up in a city, people think that's pretty funny because like, that's what a lot of people love about cities. And I hate that. What I fell in love with moving out to North Adams was like, you go to the one 
brewery in town. It's like you see everyone you know. Like me and all my friends lived in like one of two houses mm-hmm. on this street um, in North Adams, and you never really made plans in the summer because you would just run into everyone, or they would be at the house you were living at. Um, so. Yeah, when I moved out there for college, I kind of realized like that was it and that I was like a small town guy and I wanted to be in Western Mass. Um, So after my freshman year of college, I lived in my friend's closet for $100 a month. Um, And because my rent was so cheap and I was 18 and didn't really have a, a high bar for like what i needed to live i guess um i just played music and um and it was awesome how big was this closet oh my god so it was very important to my it's mother it's like a walk-in clo- closet right yeah so it fit <laughs> just a twin size bed okay and it had a and then a smaller closet so then i know your next question is who designed this house and the answer is i have no idea this house was very strange but many people have lived in this closet i will say (laughs) like through the years it was clearly designed by somebody who knew students were going to be living there absolutely yeah that this house was just meant to be like a generational like weird artist (laughs) house yeah i mean for those who are not super familiar with massachusetts uh, north adams also has the mass mocha museum and it's where no depression uh used to host the fresh grass uh festival so hopefully that comes back i was gonna say hopefully still will in the future but (laughs) yeah um so if you are more familiar with folk music than with massachusetts that's where (laughs) (laughs) that's where izzy went to college that's and it's also like the next town over from williams college as well if you're a theater person yeah, the town itself has a really incredible history, as do a lot of those old industrial towns, right? Um, and I was also, yeah, I really loved that. One of my favorite jobs I ever worked there, because I never worked a steady job living out there. I always kind of just ramshackled things together. But my favorite job was I worked for the town, and I stood outside of Mass Mocha, and I worked at an information kiosk for the town. Oh, cool. So I was like a tour guide. Well, not a tour guide. <laughs> I would just give people information. <laughs> That's an important job. Oh, I, Edit. I loved it. I honestly thrived. <laughs> I got to talk to people. I got to talk about this town I love. Um, <laughs> Does the And then you got to meet new people. Does that feed your songwriting? Oh, meeting new people? Absolutely. It's just always a different way to look at your life and a new perspective and a new story. Um, And that often pushes self-growth, which is kind of just like what I chase continuously. So, Yeah. And so it's like clear you're really influenced by this sense of place. You Mm -hmm. know, like uh, Mass Moke also has some kind of connection to Sun Ra's orchestra. And uh, there's definitely some jazz elements in your music, I feel like, for this album. we did talk a little bit about your folk influences growing up, um, but who do you consider your influences? If you could name a couple of names so people get a sense of your music. Um, I mean, I think if we want to start at like kind of like my initial influences for songwriting um, would definitely be, like I said, a lot of... Um, you know, songwriters of the, the 60s. Uh, so, you know, like Paul Simon 
is one of my favorite writers of all time. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, really, more than his solo stuff. I think that stuff is really brilliant. Um, from that era, oh, God, there was just one in my head that I... <laughs> oh, uh, the Beatles, obviously. I was like, what am I forgetting? Because the Beatles, I mean, because of their range and, like, how many people they influenced... Um, but specifically the album Rubber Soul, because I think that's one of the greatest songwriter albums of all time. And and then on that, like, Paul McCartney wrote um, most of my favorite Beatles songs, and so Paul McCartney is, like, heavily a huge influence of mine because I think he's one of the greatest songwriters ever. Um, and then, like, modern day, I mean, like, Gregory Allen Isakov, um, there's this guy called Noah Gunderson who mm-hmm. is... I think I would go on a limb in saying my favorite songwriter of all time. I think uh, one of my favorite things in the world is a sad song, and I think Noah does sad songs the best I've ever heard anyone do that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not a super... I don't think it's an unexpected list of influences, I would say. As a sad <laughs> singer-songwriter myself, I've stayed pretty um, narrow in, in what I've listened to, but that is changing, like I said. Um, I would say, yeah, as of recent, like, Bonnie Vare is a big one right now. Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, that would be it. Cool. This question is also cheating a little bit, because I asked you to uh, give me the name of a song ahead of time. So, let's listen to Noah Gunderson's Dying Now. <laughs> Sail on, gypsy of my heart You've been hanging around Been with me from the start Sail on, sail on, silver girl You've been spinning me fast Like a tilt a I've done a lot of living in this town I've done a lot of flying my feet on the ground You can't build your bridges after you burn them down I've done a lot of living, I'm dying After you burn them down 
You've done a lot of living, but you're dying now. Dying now. This episode of Country Queer Spotlight is brought to you by New West Records. The new Jamie White album, Neon Cross, is available now. In our interview with Jamie, Country Queer called Neon Cross a dreamy country masterpiece, and The Advocate calls Jamie the new queer queen of outlaw country. Pick up a copy of Neon Cross at jamiewyatt.com. That's J-A-I-M-E-W-Y-A-T-T dot com. You're listening to Country Queer Spotlight, the podcast that introduces you to rising LGBTQ stars on the country scene. You can find more queer country content and merch at countryqueer.com. Now, back to the show with your host, Rachel Colst. Alright, so we're back. We've talked with Izzy Heltai about his time in North Adams, uh, growing up in Boston, and sort of how he found his place uh, as he was establishing himself as a musician. Um, and one thing I'd like to talk about is when you first sent me your music, maybe I was just oblivious and was in a rush and I didn't read um, your bio uh, closely enough, uh, but you did not, I, I don't think you identified as trans when you were first sending your songs out. Um, and so to go back to, to talk about yourself, um, which is sort of about that choice to disclose or not. Um, did you see this as sort of like a way to strategize about how you'd be perceived as an artist? Um, or if you feel comfortable talking about that decision? Oh, absolutely. I do. No, well, it's so it's <laughs> funny. Um, I actually so I actually have identified as trans since I was about 
um, 14 now. So I was super fortunate and got to transition in the way, in the way I felt most comfortable doing because, um, like, I mean, well, this is, this audience is queer, but you know, as a lot of people don't, there are many ways to transition and uh, many of those ways do not look, um, like the way I did. Uh, but anyway, so I got to transition as a teenager and, um, I never included it in a bio until I guess this um this release really because I mean it was always very much that I you know being trans uh I never wanted it to be the forefront of my music career and I think I had identified that I had seen artists that had really um pigeonholed themselves in a way kind of uh coming forward with this information like um in, in, you know in the way that they feel comfortable it's like and that's great and that is well and good and I am so happy for those artists I just think it was something that I didn't know how to approach I knew I wanted it a part of my artistic identity and career in some way but I also knew that I was very young and like new in this world so that I had kind of time to ease into it and figure out how I really wanted to present that. Um, because like I said, at the end of the day, like it's not the forefront of my life, um, I didn't want it to be the forefront of my artistic career. Um, but having said that, it is a part of my life and it's an important part of my life. And so especially with the subject matter of the songs on this record, it would really be doing a disservice to myself and honestly anyone listening to not include it in the narrative in some way. And so, yeah, I mean, and, and also as I've grown older, have gotten a lot more comfortable talking about it um, and really love to talk about it and also like love this part of me a lot and I don't want to not talk about it and I also think um especially in um I guess it's not the last few months at this point we've been in this pandemic for a long time but especially you know with this mass rebellion and just things coming up and it just puts a lot into perspective and there's just a lot that's not worth not talking about I guess if that makes sense and mm -hmm. and it's like I'm a white cis passing trans guy I don't really have much to lose talking about it um like I feel safe and fine so it's like why don't I because it could make someone feel less alone yeah exactly I hope that there are a lot of people listening who feel like a spark of recognition um yeah as they listen to you talk about and it I also definitely like I don't know where my music will take me in my life, but definitely, like, as a kid, and even still, it's, like, there were no trans artists singing, like, folk songs or, like, in these worlds that I really identified with or wanted to be in. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, that's something I've seen is that um, in my nine years now of, like, sort of covering... Americana to like different venues mm -hmm. there just haven't been as many uh trans or non-binary artists but I think that's changing as people's sense of themselves become more expansive yeah I think that's definitely true um which is super exciting and awesome <laughs> yeah um do you feel like your coming out process as a teenager 
also or how do you feel like that impacted your um identity as a musician or as an artist yeah they were both happening at the same time basically okay so i write music uh because it helps me process a lot of the world and it helps me reflect and grow and change and i think as a trans person um reflection is kind of was kind of inherent in just like my coming of age because as a queer person i was just forced to know myself in a way that a lot of people are never forced to um and so that kind of instilled in me a practice of always wanting that and always to affirm and reflect that the person I am in this moment is exactly how I want to be and how I want to take up space. And so I think that comes into my music because I explore a lot of those topics in my music and it allows me... Yeah, I think that's... That's probably how it manifests itself. Yeah. I, I think there is like a special flavor to queer country music like for that reason. <laughs> you know, it's not just about being sad and lonely. Like there's like a very specific, I think, type of loveliness that a lot of people, even young people still uh, feel when they realize they're kind of different from a lot of the other people they know, even if they don't quite know yet. Absolutely. Where that difference comes from. And you get clued into, it's just you feel so many complex things. And um, then there's also, it's like you experience love in so many ways because, I mean, it's just things I feel like become... Extreme is not the word I'm thinking of. It's just like I feel like... I was just clued into a lot more than a lot of people are at a young age because I was realizing this this part of me that forced me to affirm myself so much. Yeah. If that makes I'm sense. Glad. No, 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 no. totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. Um, to go back to the album for a bit because I want to make sure people listen to more of these songs. <laughs> yeah. And just talking also about country music specifically. I felt like the second half of the album gets a lot more like rock and mm. folk oriented. Um, so I want to listen to Songbird for a couple minutes so everyone else can hear it. It's the lead single off the album. Uh, and then I'll ask you a little bit more about it. Great. Oh, is she 
Songbird from Izzy Heltai's album Father. Um, very, very different from to talk about yourself in a lot of key ways. Um, and for you, what is uh, the significance of this tonal shift from, I guess if it was on vinyl, it would be from one side of the album to the other. Mm. From the songs or the shifts on the sides? I, uh, I felt like the second half of the album tends to be like a lot punchier. Okay. Do you uh, mind if I do one thing that's kind of embarrassing? I'm gonna look. Go ahead. I'm just looking at the track list right now. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so I'm like, I do not remember the right. order. Oh, you're right, because then we have "Wet Your Appetite" and "Anyone, Anybody." I feel like it's that this side is like a little more of my experimental side, and I think people, when or if and when they hopefully listen to the album especially when you get to the end and i don't know how you feel about this but like with catacomb and father which kind of stray on the little more of the indie side it kind of just eases into like hopefully the trajectory i'm going with my music in general um and songbird i mean i thought songbird was just fun i kind of thought of it as like if the shins went like country um <laughs> I don't know how your listeners feel about that. Um, <laughs> but that was just like a fun song. I wrote that song super quickly. It's not really about... It's like tongue-in-cheek. It was kind of me experimenting with like popular lyrics. It's like, you know, it's like the, that summer I was also like super into like Phoebe Bridgers and um, artists that kind of have lyrics that are like super on the nose and like kind of just like... I don't know if you listen to Phoebe Bridgers at all, but it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's like the lyrics sometimes seem like really dumb, but they're also like really clever in a way. And then you're like, wait, this is just like cool. And I dig this. And like, I'm sad now. Yeah, right. It's something like that. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, that that's kind of um, that song. But yeah, this side, um, 
Yeah, I think it's kind of just me trying, um, in a way, to have this flow to the record that kind of eases you. It. I want the last track to kind of leave it open-ended for, like, where mm-hmm. is this guy going to go next? So it sounds to me like you approach songwriting, like, I want to stretch a new muscle and see how it goes, as opposed to, like... I have, like, this intense emotion that I need to express through a song. Yeah. It seems like you intellectualize it a bit compared to maybe some other artists. Well, I think especially moving through it as much as I have, because I feel like at first I started writing songs because it was a gut thing. It was an emotional thing. It was a processing. And as I continued on doing this, and it spirals more into, I mean, both... I mean, still an emotional thing and very powerful thing for me to do, but also becoming fascinated fascinated <laughs> in it in a new way is really looking at it as a craft. And that inspires me in a whole nother way. And yeah, I think um, I really like what you said. It's, it's about kind of stretching new muscles because like I've talked about before, like I love growth. I think that is the coolest thing human beings can do. And I don't see my songwriting as any different than that. Um, and I think also, like, the craft of songs, theoretically, and um, thinking about it not just as, like, a impulse is really powerful and really cool. Well, I think that is uh, probably the best place uh, for me to leave it. Is there anything you want to talk about that I did not think to touch on? I don't think so. Do you think I made sense? Was it okay? I think so. Okay, good. I think it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Rachel, my yeah. issue is I just like, sometimes I just talk and like keep going and I'm like, I don't know if this was quite clear, but I'm just going to keep going. I can see the that you grew up around a professor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is a question I like to ask of everybody. Great. Um, So it's who's a queer country artist you'd like to shout out? Oh, absolutely. I was very excited for this one. So (laughs) speaking of being a teenager and this lonely queer with also my sister's queer and we were like, what musicians (laughs) do we want to listen to? Brandi Carlisle, an icon, was always there. Love her. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy about her success, for oh, sure. Oh, my God. And it was kind of the point where I'm like, like, I always thought she was super famous. But then she got, like, so famous in a mainstream way. And then I'm like, no, there's no way she can get more famous than this. And then she does. And then seems to be friends with everyone in the music world. And I'm like, this is crazy. I feel like I might have seen the beginning of that. Because when she played at Newport Folk Fest... Uh, like four years ago now, almost or three, she she like was there and she hung out for the whole weekend, even though she was playing for one day, was, and then she was just in everybody's sets. I know. Was that the year that she played with like Maggie Rogers and like Phoebe Bridgers, and they all came up? I think so. Uh, and then uh, Jason Isbell yes. was one of the headliners, and, and Margot her and Price. Her family yeah. was just. Was that the year? I go to. I used to go to Newport with my mom. Oh, okay. Um, every That's year. Cute. So, oh my god, that festival is incredible. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah. I used to go before it was like under different management or something. So it was like they mm. never sold out. 
Um, mm-hmm. I was like 12 the first time I went, and the Avett Brothers had like headlined four years in a row, and they were my favorite <laughs> band. But kids were like 20 bucks to get in, and it never sold out. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they had to change it up. Yeah. I know. Um, but, anyways. But yeah. So, like, I knew she was like loved among like people who liked Americana, but then she like was playing Madison Square Garden. I was like, what is this? And then she sold out Madison Square Garden. I was like, who's buying these tickets? I know. She's kind of like a low-key Dolly Parton figure where she, like, transcends. Yeah. So many, <laughs> like, borders of or boundaries of audience demographics. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, it's what everybody hopes for, right? Absolutely. I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. So we're going to play you the listeners out with save part of yourself for me by brandy carlisle and then we'll also listen to the last song on izzy's album which is the title track father so you can hear what izzy is planning next (laughs) thanks so much izzy awesome thank you so much for having me rachel Life goes on, yeah. 
guess the life goes on I hope you caught up with your dreams I hope you saved part of yourself for me Won't you save part of yourself for me Save part of yourself for me Settle down It's like looking in the mirror Anxiety is building up And I finally figured out It's been some time, love Since I felt like I was worth much More than any Reflected in my father's eyes And I could use a good touch And maybe even your love Could help me figure out what I've been trying to tell you for days Settle down now There's something in the water It keeps on getting hazier And we're just trying not to drown And just below the surface Treading water holding your breath But you've been swimming for a I grew up landlocked and proud And I could use a good touch Maybe even your love Could help me figure out what I've been trying to tell you For years That I could use Smoking's not a habit And I want to keep up Getting colder And I can feel it And I run And all these years I've been fighting it I don't, it's all right. I'm older now. If I don't, it's okay. Your love still. 
I could use a good touch Maybe even your love Would help me figure out what I've been trying to tell you for years This episode of Country Queer Spotlight has been brought to you by New West Records. Pick up a copy of the new Jamie Wyatt album, Neon Cross, available now at jamiewyatt.com. That's J-A-I-M-E-W-Y-A-T-T dot com. Well, cowpokes, we've reached the end of the trail for this episode. Thanks for listening to Country Queer Spotlight the podcast that introduces you to rising LGBTQ stars on the country scene. Head on over to countryqueer.com for more queer country content and merch. Rachel Colst has been your host and producer. For new music by Roots artists of all genders and orientations, listen to our weekly podcast, Adobe and Teardrops. Country Queer Spotlight is edited by Zach Tomlinson, executive produced by Country Queer's founder, Dale Geist. And our theme song, Ride Me Cowboy by Paisley Fields is courtesy of Don Giovanni Records. Ride me cowboy.